You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights. And a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. It is post-fight recap week as we are ready to dive in and do a complete recap and reactions of Valor. 70 went down this past Friday night at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. We're going to get into all that as well as a recap of last week's UFC 248 pay-per-view card. That was a wild one. As well as a brief preview of this weekend's UFC Brazil card. Of course, this week I am joined by my co-host, as always, Justin Watson on the line with me and of course i am on location down here in saudi daisy doing a little promoting with marky four fingers mark laws with me tonight as well and then of course the voice of valor jeff hobbs joins us for our first portion of the evening and we'll go ahead and jump into that and that is a recap of this past friday's valor 70 card it was an all amateur showcase a lot of action a lot of fun fights a lot of guys that were uh you know in need of a win and came up with it uh we're only going to do the recap on the fights that we did our picks on so a brief uh rundown of the grappling we had we had three grappling matches that night so i want to give some shout outs there of course we started with some youth grappling it was young harry spence at only six years old taking on the the 11-year-old Nick Englehart. Both of these gentlemen put on a great show. We went to a five-minute draw, but both guys had some moments. They both, uh, you know, were going for submissions. They both survived submissions. Very good uh, bout to get the crowd up and going. And then uh, in our next bout, it was Eli Norris of National Martial Arts. Of course, uh, also the teammate of Nick Englehart. They're both under Dustin Koppel there. And he got a submission by armbar over KMAAs. Uh, that was Lincoln Grubb. And so that was a gi match. So we had uh, two youth matches, and then we had another uh, bout to finish off the prelims, and that was Hannah Ellswick taking on KMAA's Katie Ogle. That went to a draw, all 10 minutes, but both girls going for it. Both girls, uh, you know, had, had some good moments there, and it'll be the uh, final uh, competition before Hannah Ellswick before she makes her uh, pro debut in just a uh, few short weeks, April the 3rd, against Christina Roadhouse Ricker. Uh, off to a good start here. Crowd liked uh, most of these bouts. Jeff, what was your thoughts on these kids is the first time that we've really opened up with some uh, younger ones and it felt like they delivered they were um you know i go to uh i go to some shows here in middle tennessee that uh, uh you know uh, cater to a lot of the younger kids and uh man those kids that showed up at, at the show uh this weekend they were far more advanced than what i was expecting to see you know um uh, a lot of the kids events that I go to or, or shows that I go to that start out with a lot of kids shows. Um, it's, it's more of a novelty, if that makes sense. Um, they're not necessarily really, uh, you know, skilled yet. It's, it's more of, Hey, let's let them go out there and have some fun. These kids were skilled, man. They, uh, you could tell, I mean, that arm bar was sick. <laughs> that was, yeah. that was advanced, you know? So, I mean, it was, it was damn impressive. You know, it kind of threw me off the one bout of uh, the kids balling, uh, you know, not balling, but crying in the cage yeah. and his dad's just yelling. He always cries. It's OK. <laughs> he, he only cries when he's mad. Uh, it was just the way he dealt with, uh, you know, his aggression. Uh, and I can definitely understand that. But, you know, you know, I, 
I almost wanted, though, to let the crowd uh, that was there in attendance realize and know, for those that didn't know, that first grappling match, uh, we had a six-year-old against an 11-year-old, yeah. and it went the distance. There was no submission. Uh, so that should tell you a lot right there. And then, of course, we moved on to our one kickboxing bout of the night, and then that is where our picks began. Uh, before we get into that, Justin, real quick rundown. This was the second-to-last event of the quarter. We entered with Jeff Hobbs, I believe, with a bit of a lead. Yeah, Jeff was up. Uh, he had one-point lead over Greg and um, a four-point lead over Paul uh, coming into this one, but things things changed up a little bit. All right. So uh, in our first bout there, kickboxing, it was the debuting uh, uh, bout for both guys. It was Mr. Michael Miller coming out of the Spartan Academy in Columbia, South Carolina, getting a unanimous decision win over Mr. Cody Russell, also debuting out of the Wolves' den. It was a good action-packed bout. Uh, Both guys tough. Both guys took some good shots. But ultimately, it was Miller that prevailed. Uh, And who uh, did? what was our picks there? Were they all for Miller? Yeah, we were a clean sweep for Miller on that one. Clean sweep for Miller there. He started to fade a little bit in the third round, but held on tight. Uh, You know, good showing still for Cody Russell. He's an entertaining guy. You know, uh, he'll go up there and throw, and he'll take at the same time and enjoy it the whole time. Uh, Moving on to MMA, it was our first bout uh, in the mixed martial arts division, and it was uh, two guys looking for their first win. Chris Weathers taking on Elijah Gilberson. Weathers 0-1, Gilberson 0-3. Weathers out of Alabama. This is the first fight for Elijah Gilberson, in which he was representing the KMAA camp, whom he just joined a couple months ago. And uh, it paid off for him. He got the first round win by verbal submission. Uh, really close fight, actually. Uh, Weathers came at him uh, quick and was uh, is on him, but uh, started to take some punishment, started to gas a little bit, and ultimately had a verbal submission uh, about two and a half minutes, so maybe a little bit deeper than that, into round number one, giving Elijah Gilbertson his first ever win. And uh, he was stoked, to say the least. Uh, let's see. I'll go to Mark. Your thoughts on this one? I was just super glad to see Elijah Gilbertson get the win. Yeah, it was a great fight, though. I mean, they were both just throwing hard and, and getting after it. But, you know, Elijah Gilbertson you know, putting the time in, and I guess he, he finally gets that, that O to go and uh, wish him nothing but the best. He's fought some really tough guys in the past. So, you know, he's stepped up and, and really fought some killers for us. So I'm ready to see him back in the winning ways. All right. And where were our picks? Uh, where did they fall on that one, Justin? Paul was the only one going with Gilbertson, so he gains a point on that one. Greg and Hobbs both dropped with Weathers. All right. Next bout, 125 pounds, flyweights. And it was going to be Rocket Ray Hewitt, one and two, coming out of KMAA and uh, coming off his first win against Nick Ferguson. And he looked to keep the ball rolling against the 0-1 independent fighter, Austin Spires. Austin came out, uh, he came out gunning, man. He had, he had a big uh, big head kick that he tried to land. He had a jump a jumping kick and was really uh, taking it to uh, Ray. But once Ray got it to the ground, he was able to, uh, you know, control him. And then late in the round, pull off a very... Very nice triangle win to get his second win, evens his record up at two and two. And uh, Spires drops to zero and two, but pretty good showing, honestly. It was an exciting fight from Spires. Let's see, maybe Spires and Nick Ferguson next. Both those guys looking for a win. Somebody finally get one. Uh, Jeff, yeah, man, he looked really good, Um, and Spires did too, man. I mean, it was a a good fight. Uh, uh, You know, it was impressive. It was early in the night, but uh, it was such an impressive submission. Um, you know, I, I know me and you at the table just a minute, like called, like that could be our sub of the night, you know, not expecting what was to come, <laughs> which was more subs than we've probably ever seen on a card. Um, 
but it was impressive, man. Uh, it was a good show. I'm glad he got his uh, uh, record back even. And uh, Spires definitely, though, had nothing to hang his uh, head about because uh, he looked really good, uh, you know, until the, until the moment it didn't look good. Absolutely. Uh, up next, it was a battle of uh, debuts, and this will be about it for debuts for the rest of the night, I believe. We might have had one more, but it was uh, the, uh, the UFC gym in Murfreesboro, represented by Cody Stewart, taking on KMAA's Jason Davis, uh, also debuting. That was a featherweight bout, uh, went all the rounds, and I believe Jason won all three rounds. Um, it was able to uh, get the takedowns, was able to control the striking. Pretty Honestly, pretty dominant in all phases. Uh, Cody Stewart was able to survive, though, never uh, never, you know, gave up and went all the rounds and uh, had a decent accounting for himself for his first fight. Obviously, everybody's learning at this point, but uh, just not quite enough there to get the win. Uh, congrats to Jason Davis, who climbs to one and zero. Oh. Uh, before we get to that, what was what are what was the picks, Justin, for Hula? Was that a sweep for uh, for Ray? No, actually, Greg Greg took Spires on that one, so uh, Hobbs, oh. and, Hobbs and uh, Paul got it. Oh, okay, very good. Um, so uh, going back to the five that we were just talking about, uh, Cody Stewart uh, taking on Jason Davis. And uh, again, that was a unanimous decision win there for Jason Davis. And Justin, I'm going to let you chime in on this one. This is one of the few that you actually got to judge in uh, this one. It was uh, pretty fairly cut and dry, I thought, but uh, decent showing uh, for the debuts. Yeah, for sure. Um, both these guys look like they had you know, been training for a while. Um, Jason Davis was just, just a little too, too strong, too powerful. Um, the wrestling was just a little too much, I think, but, um, you know, I think it was a solid accounting for both guys, you know, considering it, it's their debut for sure. You know, it felt like um, Cody Stewart may not have had the the corner help that uh, the, near to equal, you know, what his opponent had uh, coming out of KMAA uh, and not any knock on the UFC Jim Murray's. But I just didn't feel like that was even necessarily the UFC Jim Murray's, uh, the UFC Jim in his corner. that night. I think it was just like his body, maybe. With UFC, yeah. With that, like with guys like in the UFC in the other corner. Right. That's that is tough. Right. Where, how did they pick on that one? That one was uh, unanimous for Davis. Or clean sweep, I guess. Moving on, uh, it was a lightweight bout between third-degree MMA's Damian the Hammer Hamlin, uh, representing a Ben Rowan's group up there in Middlesboro. Good to have them back. Coming in at 2-6 and six to face the 2-4 and four Seagoat, Anthony Cocker from KMAA, looking to bounce back. I talked to Eric Turner uh, about this fight, and he said that Anthony really put in a lot of work on this one. He was you know, very dedicated to training and wanted to get that win, and he went out there and got it. You know, He was able to get his takedowns in every round, hit nice double-leg takedowns. Uh, Damian Hamlin, though, really was game and was there in every round. I think they actually gave the second round to him, if I'm not mistaken, which would have had them one-to-one going to the third. And in the third round, it was uh, the Seagoat who came out victorious with a submission uh, that would go on to be the first of two. Uh, it was Yvonne Pruchok in front of his teammate, Ovin St. Pru. He pulls it off, and then afterward, uh, Damian Hamlin uh, leaves a bit of himself in the ring. Uh, it was a hard-fought battle by both guys. I actually really impressed by both happy for Anthony Cochran. He needed that win and he got it gets the three and four and one of his better performances. I've got to say, we've seen him, uh, in the cage, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like you said, it was, uh, Anthony came out with an aggression that we've not seen him come out with. Um, I knew immediately my pick was screwed just by the <laughs> way he came out. Um, I mean, he was, a he was aggressive, you know, he still was the seagoat and he still had his damn hat on and came out to his music. But, 
when the cage door shut, he dropped the character, you know, completely like we've never seen before. Um, and like I said, that, that's, that's the Anthony cut. It was like a bad boys. Uh, when, you know, Will Smith, that's how you drive. Well, that's how you fight. That's how you need to come out. Right. Uh, he did, uh, he did what he needed to do, man. And, and he, I, you know, obviously I didn't know that what Eric said. Um, but now knowing that you could tell, you know, it, it, you could tell that, uh, he took this fight serious and, um, it's just it like, you're okay with, with, missing that pick. I'm, I'm okay with being wrong, uh, because me being wrong meant that, uh, that kid showed improvement, you know? So, uh, congratulations to him, man. Uh, where we stand on that one, Justin? Uh, Hobbs took, uh, Hamlin, but the other two picked correctly with Cochran. All right. Rounding out that set of fights, it was another lightweight bout and another Von Pruchoke as Parker Wadman, two and two from KMA, pulls off another Von Pruchoke. Back-to-back Von Prus. I don't know that that's happened anywhere ever. I mean, maybe, but I, I can't I can't even tell you when there's been two in a show, let alone two back-to-back and two teammates pulling it off, both with OSP in their corner. So Parker Wadman gets it in the first round over a tough Scott Henderson who just, uh, you know, he battled it for a while from what I recall. You know, he really, you know, tried to stay in there, but it once he, you know, he was, his hand was just caught and he wasn't going anywhere. And uh, Parker finally got that, uh, got that tap, moves to three and two, gets back to the plus side after a couple losses in a row, Scott Henderson drops to four and 10 and I uh, look forward to having him back. He's a, you know, he's a good sized guy, 45, very good to work with and uh, comes from a good group up there in Kentucky. Uh, Mark, your thoughts on Parker Wadman's uh, Von Perucho, two of them. You know, Cochran looked really good, but I tell you, Parker Wadman, he looked really put together at the beginning of the night when I saw him and he was very, very focused. And, you know, when he locked in that Von Perucho, the, the mechanism actually he's got to just keep ratcheting that arm every centimeter he gains up on that arm it just gets exponentially tighter and boy he choked the shit out of him bro <laughs> it was beautiful but congratulations parker wobbin i'm a fan and of course uh parker actually filled me in after that fight or maybe before that this will be his last one at 55 he's gonna be dropping down to 45 so 45ers on notice the vikings coming uh let's go to justin for the uh the scores so on that one uh, it was a clean sweep for parker um, that puts us halfway through the card and six fights in. Paul is uh, unscathed so far. He has all picks. All of his picks have been correct. Greg and, and Hobbs have both got two incorrect. Wow, Paul Teague, the, uh, the Ninja Turtle coming up. Uh, and uh, that brings us to the main uh, portion of the card that night. And it was going to be a 180-pound catch bout, a catchweight bout as uh, the Hammer of Justice. Darren Hastings comes in 2-2 two two KMAA to take on the 0-1 Christian Lee independent fighter from Newport that we just saw last show. He went to a split decision loss over Bronson Bazorgi. And this time he was going to get the win. First round. TKO win for Christian Lee, who was able to uh, really just be more active and get off on Darren. Darren wasn't really responding with a whole lot of a whole lot of uh, return fire, essentially. And even though Darren never went down, this is actually one of those weird ones where it got stopped with him still standing. But he absorbed several unanswered blows and he just never really. 
fired back every once in a while he'd fire like one big overhand back that would clear christian out for a moment but then christian would come right back in and work combos and the first fight that christian had i thought maybe he would bull rush darren and that could either be his key to victory or his demise potentially and he was much more measured this time before he gets ready to go off to basic training in a couple weeks he moves to one and one darren goes to two and three and let's see here uh we'll see who's uh whose turn is i guess it's gonna is it mark's turn no he just went to mark it'd be jeff um. Yeah, man, it's 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 weird. Like, I mean, usually you don't. Man, I don't even know how to say this without it sounding bad. Cause I really don't. But you usually just don't see that non-responsiveness from you know an an Eric or Joey, uh, you know, a fighter. You know, he he wasn't listening to anything that was being told to him in the cage. I mean, we have that benefit of being right, uh, you know, mine and Tim's table by the, by the blue corner. Uh, you know, so we get to hear a lot of instruction that's going on and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it was just, uh, shell shock, you know, once he started getting hit, um, I don't know. He's not hearing, uh, the instructions or, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but every, every instruction that was being shouted out to him, uh, he, he just wasn't, it wasn't absorbing in. He wasn't getting it. He wasn't listening to it. And, um, like you said, I mean, other than I really only remember one big looping, uh, right hand, uh, everything aside from that was just a really stiff, his hands were up, but they were at his chin, not really covering his face. Yeah. And it was just a very stiff absorbing, you know, every shot. Uh, and the more times he got hit, like you said, it was weird that he didn't go down, but the more times he got hit, it was almost like the stiffer his legs got. And it was just kind of a, I don't know. It was, it was weird to see somebody just get teed off on like that in the standing position and not really move, but there was just no reaction. Uh, there was just no reaction. There was no, I'm hurt. There was no, I'm about to fall. It was just, Hey, I'm going to stand here and take these shots. Um, so, uh, the story is not though what um, you know what Darren Hastings didn't do. The story of that fight was what Christian Lee did do, and that was come in with two weeks left uh, as a civilian uh, before he heads off to basic training, uh, put on a show for his family and friends that that for the last two fights have bought tables and and, and come in droves to watch him compete. And I love how they support him regardless of whether he wins or whether he loses. Um, so that, that was the takeaway from that fight was, you know, a young man, uh, doing what's best for him. Greg was uh, the only one getting the pull. Serving, ser- yeah. Serving our country. And, uh, um, and also I talked to him for a little bit and, and you know, he's, he's obviously happy to serve his country. Um, he, he's wanting uh, to further his education, and he knows that uh, the GI Bill money and, and the military is a good way to not only just serve your country, but get that reward of, of getting a paid education as well. So congrats to him. And where do we stand on that one, Justin? Uh, Greg was the only one taking a That sounded really weird and funky. Like your, your voice your voice sounded like... Greg was the only one taking the point on that one. 
All right, very good. On to our next bout, and this one was one we were looking forward to. It was the Blue Angel, Drew Tornas, uh, 0-3, looking for his first win, but he'd been in there with some killers, man. You know, he's been in there with some really tough guys, Bubba Cruz, and this time he was going to take on Tommy the Whisperer Waller. Tommy Waller coming in 1-0, coming off of his debut a couple shows back, and, uh, you know, independent fighter out of Knoxville, young kid that has been, uh, you know, steadily uh, honing his craft and trying to come up the ranks. So he, uh, he took on uh, Drew Tornahus here at a hundred and it was supposed to be at 195 pounds. They both came in at 188. So I guess they pretty much are still like a middleweight fight. Uh, Drew actually, I'll say uh, had the, 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 his best showing yet, although it wasn't going to be enough as Tommy gets the first round rear naked choke uh, after dropping Drew um, with strikes and then taking his back. But before that, I will say, that Drew was landing some pretty good leg kicks that Tommy didn't seem to be prepared for. Uh, so he's got to work on checking those kind of things. Uh, he got popped with a couple good right hands. So for the first time, Tommy got a little bit of, you know, a, a taste of what it's like to get hit. But uh, he responded well. It didn't show uh, too much uh, damage there and was able to, to get the win in the first round. Moves to 2-0. and oh. A man, a few words, is Tommy Waller as he doesn't, uh, he didn't have a post-fight interview. His, uh, his, uh, his hype man instead uh, just spoke a quick little uh, brief phrase into the mic and they walked off i can dig it actually i like it so uh, let's go let's, let's see where uh what happens with mr tommy moving forward mark your thoughts man if, if i could speak to drew Tornahus through these radio waves yeah. i would love to just say the same thing i say to him every time he sits down and have his hands wrapped i'm wrapping these things in the cannons but you got to use them he just doesn't use his hands enough he doesn't hit him enough but uh like i get it he'll figure it out soon enough you know he's uh He's not a dumb guy. He's he's ready to come in and fight. And he's gotten over the hardest part of getting in there. That's getting in there. Oh yeah. So one day something he's gonna kick somebody's ass, and then you know he may be my new favorite fighter. Till then, Tommy Waller's that. <laughs> Where do we stand on that one, there, Justin? Um, yeah, Justin, go Greg ahead. And Greg took Tommy. Greg took Tommy. Hobbs Hobbs is uh, starting his his roll downhill at this point. <laughs> and what about Paul? Uh, Paul dropped that one as well. All right. All right, that brings us to our next bout. It was a lightweight bout, and it was between the experienced Andrew Havener, 7-4 out of the Nice Guy Submission fighting in Evansville, Indiana. First time we've hosted those guys, good group. And uh, he was taking on the 3-0 and undefeated Dan Bailey from KMAA. Uh, Dan Bailey looking good in the first round, able to stave off submission attempts and uh, and win that first round with, uh, you know, striking and takedowns. However, in the second round, it didn't take long before um, – it was Andrew Havener who got the uh, technical submission with a standing guillotine over Dan Bailey, who uh, had, had slipped out of an initial uh, attempt at that same move, but then went right back into it, oddly enough. And uh, he never tapped. He, uh, he he went out in this one. But, uh, you know, uh, props to Andrew Havener for kind of, you know, adjusting in between rounds and uh, showing that, you know, he's a salty vet that, you know, seven and four. Uh, is uh, is a lot of experience. Now, he had been out a couple years, that said, so uh, it was still a pretty tough comeback fight for him. Uh, good performance by both guys. I think Bailey uh, saw where he goofed, essentially, and he'll he'll uh, be back uh, quickly, and uh, we'd love to have Havener back as well. Uh, your thoughts, Jeff? Uh, I don't think Havener went out. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just my, my take on it. Uh, I mean, Havener usually won. when somebody goes Havener, out... You mean Bailey? I mean... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Bailey. Bailey oh, didn't go out. Uh, oh. There's just, yeah. When, when I mean, I, I I can see why someone would think he did. Um, 
but I, I just don't think he did. Usually when someone goes out, it takes something to wake them back up, whether it's one more shot or the fall or the fall to the ground. I, in my opinion, he went limp just to show that the fight was over. So the ref would call it without having to tap because as soon as, I mean, he's in a standing position and never fell. As soon as the arm came off and he let go, his head pops right back up and he just kind of puts his hands out like, Oh man, it's a, you know, uh, no, you know, I'm not dogging him on it, but I just don't think he went out. Um, uh, I believe I picked Bailey on this one, man, but I've, I've been impressed with, with Bailey up to this point. Um, and then not that I'm not impressed. It was a great fight. Um, how long was Havener out? You said Havener been out for about two years. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, I mean, hats off to that dude for coming back after two years. I don't know how much he's been training and, you know, not fighting for two years is different if you've still been in the gym training every day. Sure. Um, but, but, you know, and I don't know what that backstory is. If he, if he really did like step away from everything for two years or not, but, uh, you wouldn't have been able to tell, you know, it, it looks like he's still trained. He wasn't just sitting on the couch for two years. You could de- definitely tell. Um, and I'm excited to see, uh, I don't know what are your thoughts on, you know, possible, uh, next matchup for Havner. Yeah, I definitely like to have him back down here and, uh, and see what, see what he can do, uh, as we move him up the ranks. No doubt. Justin, where did we, uh, where did we land on that one? Uh, Paul takes the point on that one. Hobbs and Greg both drop it. <laughs> All right. The feature bout of the evening saw the undefeated Jackson Donovan 3-0 from KMAA taking on the surging Bradley Brakefield from the Goon Squad. No mercy MMA. 135 pounds. Brakefield came in about uh, three pounds over uh, when it was all said and done. And uh, ultimately, it was uh, the the weight gap was not going to help him as he uh, succumbed to an arm bar very, very late. Um, it was The clapper had already gone, I know, in the first round. So in the final probably six, seven seconds of that round uh, when he finally went out of the arm bar and uh thought he may have hyperextended that uh that that arm a little bit it was uh you know it, it looked pretty painful jackson donovan uh moves to four and oh only 18 years old still a senior in high school and tells us that he is moving to 125 and he wants that 125 title next so uh that'd be something at four and oh i feel like uh he's gonna be in line for it be uh find a good challenger for that would be uh would be interesting to see uh take him taking another step up brayfield goes to three and three and uh will be looking to bounce back uh condolences also are in order for bradley brayfield's father he passed uh week before last and so he obviously had a lot of things on his mind coming into this one we'll go to mark yeah i thought brayfield fought tremendously heartfelt um i was with him most of the weekend even leading up to that and doing the cutting weight and all that so you know you know a tough drop for him but he'll come back he's a tough guy too but man Congrats on the on the the four. No, that's it's it's awesome for Jackson Donovan. He's a great kid, and I look forward to a great future with him. All right, and our scores there. Oddly enough, everybody took Breakfield on that one, so um, everybody everybody missed it. Looks like we owe Jackson Donovan a little uh, shit talk time. We'll have to get that set up here maybe next week. Uh, moving on to the co-main event, it was Garrett Sharp taking on Joel Winters. At a catch weight of 150 pounds, Joel Winters coming in 1-0 and uh, out of Atlanta, Georgia. Very athletic kid, very explosive. And he was taking on Garrett Sharp, a guy we're very familiar with here that we just seen uh, come off a kickboxing fight, the fight before. And then uh, before that, he uh, beat Brandon McGee. So he's on a roll, 3-1 and one coming in. 
win. And uh, he gets the submission victory in the second round, I believe it was, uh, over a very tough Joel Winters. Joel Winters, uh, very emotional after that bout. I uh, made sure to let him know that he wants to keep his head up because uh, he's still got a lot of potential at 19 years old. He's a physical specimen and uh, has some big slams. Like both times we've seen him against Seagoat now and uh, against Garrett, he's come with some big slams and uh, very exciting. And uh, I think that he's got a lot of potential. It is Garrett Sharp going to four and one now. Now and uh, settling back in at featherweight, I'm sure at four and one, he'll be uh, looking to uh, you know be in the title picture sooner than later. Let's go to Jeff. That was a tough one, man, to watch. Uh, you know, Joel kind of really beat himself up after that fight, man, because uh, you know we try our hardest when you know when you see somebody that just kind of falls short but has nothing to hang. You know, we try to say something to him, but there's nothing you can say to him. It, it was really tough watching him. Uh, be as emotional about it uh, as he was and you know you just kind of wish I know I said something to him in the cage I know Tim you tried to you know talk to him through the cage or you may have even come up in there I believe Um, but um, you know it's tough trying to find the words to make somebody feel better um, you know when they're when they're beating themselves up that bad I mean he looked good I don't I don't know what his weight cuts like or if he's even close to the you know a, a weight class down because uh, he does kind of still seem a little undersized he's strong as an ox yeah um, but you know uh, I don't know how close he would be to the you know the uh, weight class drop um, just based on his height you know um, if he can he'd be a motherfucker at it whatever it is no doubt, no but doubt. Uh, that kid's definitely just watching how emotional he was after that, he's going to benefit from a quick turnaround. He's got to get right back in there uh, and realize that uh, he's better than what happened, you know, that night uh, and get his confidence back um, and just kind of, uh, you know, numb himself, you know, to, to losses and things like that. You don't want to numb yourself from a loss and get used to them, but just, you know, just he's got to get past it quick. So I would definitely, in my opinion, suggest, you know, a quick turnaround for the kid, but, um, you know, Garrett Sharp's another one of those. We got to keep watching, man, because that, that dude's, uh, he's getting better every fight. And, um, you know, I, I definitely want to see him continue to step it up. Don't take any lateral moves, even if they're just baby steps. Uh, keep stepping it up and let's see how good that guy is. And our scores on that one, uh, Justin. That one was a clean sweep for Garrett Sharp. Main event time, it was a much-anticipated light heavyweight bout. Tank Williams, Stephen Tank Wilson Jr. puts his 4-0 record on the line in a light heavyweight bout in which his middleweight title was not up for grabs against the returning Jared Short from the Viper Pit in Hazard, Kentucky. 7-1 he comes in, and with a gorgeous mullet, I must uh, must add. Uh, it was Tank getting the unanimous decision over three rounds. It was uh, This is when it was a grind. You know, Tank was going for that takedown. He's been able to get big slams on people in the past. Wasn't able to make that happen against a short who is like a tree stump uh, he uh, did a great job uh, staving that off but tank still held the control kept uh shorts back against the cage landed some good strikes got that win and showed an improved gas tank which was the most important i think after uh that being uh, a bit of a weakness against lewandowski last time out he definitely assured that up and i'm excited to see what's up next for tank no doubt and uh, props to josh short uh, jared short he had a good performance he's gonna be dropping back down to 85 we'll get him back in here soon uh, let's wrap it up, guys, with this one. I'll let Jeff go afterward. Uh, Mark, your thoughts? I'm going to get both your thoughts since it's made of it. Yeah, the sky's the limit for Tank. Uh, if he stays in shape and get, can get get his weight where he's comfortable at, he's going to be a real, real problem for a lot of people. You know, and I mean, the record 
amateur regular like he is, I mean, he's he's about there. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him turn pro sometime soon. And uh, but Jared Short, man, that guy's tough as shit, man. And I, nothing but respect to him. And he really gave Tank the kind of fight he needed. You know, want to see where that cardio is. And Jeff. Yeah, I mean, Tank obviously won the fight, but you know, the winner out of this match was uh, was short because, you know, it, it, listen, even people on our own staff, uh, you know, previous to the to the fight, I had one in particular walk up and just go, "This dude's about to get murdered." You know, <laughs> that's what he looked like. He was like, yeah. you, "You know, the Tank, you know that we all know," and then just aesthetically, physically looking at short in his demeanor too, um, just very just, uh, uh, you know. Just quiet, humble, yeah. not not boisterous or anything. Uh, and I had several people go, "Oh my!" You know, several people were just like, "Oh my God, y'all!" You know, like this guy's about to get killed. What did y'all do? You know, uh, here's the lamb to the slaughter. Um, that dude is tough, man. That dude is tough. Uh, like Mark said, I mean, it, it was great for Tank because we all got to see that he fixed the mistakes from last fight. Um, but it was also, I think, a little bit humbling too to him, like. You know, nothing, nobody, you know, some guys aren't going to be a pushover. And while he was able to hold him against the cage for most of the fight, he felt the guy's strength. Um, I mean, I, of course, look, I'm, I'm good for Tank. It was a great win for him. Uh, continues to get better. Uh, the sky's the limit for that kid. But to me, the story, the, the, the story here is, um, you know, this guy taking Tank to a decision, you know, taking him into deep waters and, uh, you know, able to take a hell of a punch. So this has got to have concrete in his jaw. Um, so if, if, if shorts getting back in the game and really going to get back in the thick of it and lose weight, um, I'm, I'm, he does next is to see what tank does next. Yeah, no doubt. I'd like to see uh short and Lewandowski, you know, I think that would be a really good one, uh, for next five for both. Let's go to Justin for the uh, final tallies and then we'll let Jeff get on out of here. Uh, so Greg took Tank on that one. Paul and Hobbs both going with short. And how do we end up? Um, on the night we ended up, uh, Greg and Paul uh, went eight and four, um, and Hobbs went uh, five and seven. <laughs> and so, where does that put uh, us in this thing? As we sit, since since this was a tie between uh, Paul and Greg, if we take in the uh, main event from the UFC. Paul gets one point for that, so that makes uh, Paul and Hobbs tied at 33 and 13, and Greg up at 35 and 10. Oh, wow. So a two-point lead, it will be going to Saudi Daisy, which is uh, going to be our final event of the quarter, but a massive card, so a lot of room for movement still, even with a two-point lead as Greg takes back over, trying to defend his title. Uh, I'm going to let you get out of here, Jeff. Thanks so much for stopping by. We'll talk well, to you. Well, now, let's, let's make sure – Let's make sure we put it on the air now for all to hear. Let me clarify. We've never really been this close going into the last week. So we are going to revert back to the old days where prior to our next show, our next pick show, we will have to turn our picks in to you prior to airing uh, so that no one can use any fuckery uh, trying to hold their two-point lead by just uh, picking the same same as the, uh, the next guy. Is this correct? All right, yes, that is correct. All picks will be due into me before we go on the recording the podcast, and that way your picks are locked in. You can't change them to protect your lead. Are you insinuating that Greg Hopkins would try such fuckery? Cheating motherfucker up there. That motherfucker, yeah. Well, here's the deal. He's already – he's two points ahead of me. I know he's taking himself, so I'm going to gain one on him. 
right there. But I don't want him to hold that that other one point lead. All right, right. And you're in his. You're going. You're doing a, a card in his his region, so he should be educated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. These are all his guys, man. And Greg uh, or Mark, man, I see a picture earlier with you and Greg. Well, you got a black, you got a robe on, man. What is that? What are you wearing? Man, we went, by, we went by the cryo tank today, uh, sponsor, um, and they wanted to deck us out, man. So Greg, of course, was out. <laughs> so I said, free cryotherapy. Yeah, I'm about it. Let's do that. So I went in there and that's three minute session. My muscles robe. feel good. <laughs> yeah, it looked like you had to. I knew it wasn't a gee. I knew no, he wouldn't. I knew it Greg out on the street. Yes, yes. Uh, all, right. all right. I'll see yeah, you, man. Thanks so much, brother. We'll all talk right, to you uh, before Saudi. All right. Bye, y'all. All right. All right. That'll do it for our recap and reactions for Valor 70. Um, it was a fun night of fight. Those uh, those amateur cards always are, are a lot of fun, you know, because there's it's a lot more loose, a lot more laid back. And we had a lot of good action. Uh, we'll turn our attention to the next card. It'll be uh, Saudi uh, Valor 71 on March 28th. And uh, of course, Greg Hopkins taking on C4 Charlie Alexander, the main event of that one. It is stacked. I can't wait to get to it. Next week, we'll start some interviews. And then, of course, six short days after that, we are right back to it for Valor 72 back at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe as we will see the return of several favorites like Jason King Christina Ricker we got Keith Olsen Lance Abbott Nick Gertz I mean it's gonna be stacked and I can't wait to get to it Uh, let's get on back now though to uh, a, a recap of the rest of the action from last week it was UFC 248 going down from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, two big title fights headline this one. Justin will join us back again now as we recap that big show. And, uh, man, it was a crazy card. It was uh, it was a polarizing uh, main event and co-main event, to say the least, as uh, it was uh, – we'll, we'll just start at the top here, I guess, and work our way down. Uh, the, the main event was uh, less than inspiring as uh, we got a decision win – for Israel Adesanya over five rounds of nearly no action, believe it or not, against Joel Romero. Uh, you know, I went out on a limb and said that Romero was going to knock him out. And, man, we just never really got to that point because uh, Romero really just didn't want to engage. And, you know, there's a lot of talk after uh, the fact that Adesanya was running. He didn't want to engage in the fight. And that Romero, uh, you know, uh, really, in my eyes, didn't bring the fight to him either. And, you know, my opinion, uh, as we've talked about in the past with the John Jones Reyes thing, you got to go out there and you got to beat that champ. And you uh, didn't see a lot of effort, in my opinion, out of Yoel Romero and in, in going after there and trying to win that title. He's trying to play a game. And it wasn't a game that he won, and it's going to be a game that will probably cost him any future title shots, in my opinion. Adesanya, not a great or fun showing, but he, he, he fought a smart fight. You can't fault him for that. He took no damage, and I am uh, interested now in that Paul Costa fight most likely coming up. Justin, your thoughts on this main event. Uh, how, uh, how did you take all this? Um, it was interesting, man. Uh, so, obviously, it was a fucking horrible fight. Um, but I actually scored it for you, UL Romero. I had it uh, one, two, and five for UL. Um, I don't know. You know, just kind of get that sometimes when you have counter strikers uh, fighting each other. You know, UL knows that if he, as he goes in, that's what that's what Israel wants, and vice versa. You know, it's when Israel comes in, UL is getting to land that big left hand, and um, that can be you know lights out. So. Um, 
I don't know, man. I think, you know, the total strike count ended up going to Israel by like eight, I think eight significant strikes, but it was 40 for Yoel and 48 for, for Izzy. Um, and most of Izzy's were leg kicks, you know, and um, there's a couple of different kinds of leg kicks that you see, you know, sometimes, you know, a solid leg kick, you're landing shin on thigh, you know, that's a painful leg kick. Um, but a lot of Izzy's were landing with the foot and that's kind of, you know, what makes the sound and um, turns it colors, you know, that slapping. Uh, so I think it looked a little worse than it really was. You know, I was dancing around afterwards at the press conference and stuff, but um, neither one of them should be proud of this, of this, uh, of this fight. You know, um, there's a fight earlier in the card, uh, Duran Wynn and, uh, and Mearshart that were, you know, if it, it was a similar style, um, similar clash of styles, but you know, if, um, if those guys wanted to, they could have had the same fight, you know, um, but they just kind of went out there and, and played the safe route. So, uh, I don't know, you know, they had a, they had a, a huge main or co-main event they had to follow up. So, um, it was just, uh, left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I think. Mark, your thoughts on this one? Did you think that uh, did you think that uh, Adesanya fought uh, uh, scared? As a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people were saying that he was running, he was scared. Yoel got on the mic and said that after you know Yoel's character, he's he's always gonna say some crazy shit. But uh, your thoughts on Adesanya? There was it was it uh, was it just a smart move the way that he performed? Adesanya doesn't have to do anything. Romero has to come at him at some point. He's got to you know, try to win the freaking title, right? I mean, that's that's the obvious move, but, you know, I'm sure Adesanya doesn't like to have that kind of fight. I'm sure he wants to go out there and, and start starts and fools. I think it's more of a mutual respect and a, a laziness kind of, not laziness, but they, they disrespect each other too much to, 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 to be shown out like that, so nobody's going to make a move, and then ultimately it times out, so... They both got paid. Congratulations to both men. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Justin, you think we see Adesanya versus Paulo Costa next? You think that'll be uh, what we – I think I read there's like a six-month suspension on Adesanya. Really? I haven't seen that. Yeah, there's, um, there's, uh, yeah it was a foot injury. He has to get cleared for some feet things or something. Okay. Well, usually that's – you know, it's, it's like six months is – and if they don't go get an MRI or whatever, they can usually get that cleared up, and he should probably be good to go in a month or so. Uh, but yeah, I think Paul Costa is the only the only option there. It's the you know it's the one that they've been pushing. They've got uh, plenty of plenty of marketing um, footage, you know, that they can use for that fight. And uh, so yeah, I think that'll definitely be a different fight though. Paul is going to push the pace. He's not going to stand there. Um, he's going to come after you. So um, I think that'll that'll definitely be a, an entertaining fight, unlike this one. And I would think they would want to attack that one on the International Fight Week in July if they could turn it around that fast. Yeah. Um, uh, they know they're going to Australia uh, around the same time, so I don't know if they'll, yeah. if they'll want to have Izzy back home or, or have him over here. But this was his first main event in the state. So, I mean, I don't know what – I don't know if they've got a, uh, a fight already lined up for the main event for that card or not, but um, he, he could use with a, uh, a better showing for uh, – for an American American pay per view, no doubt I agree. What about Romero? Do you think uh, what do you, what do they do with Romero next? Obviously, he's not going to be getting a title fight anytime soon. For me, I think Kelvin Gastelum and him would be like two guys that are coming off consecutive losses, you know, and could put on a good fight. Yeah, I think that could definitely be a good fight. Um, I don't know, man. Yoel's just so, you know, oh. I, th- I think he's I, yeah, he's old, but his cardio is just. I think he's just too scared of. 
of going out there and exerting too much energy. I think he needs to be in a three-round fight. It's been a long time since he's only had to worry about 15 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, that would be, you know, throw them in a, in a co-main event or a, or a feature bout slot somewhere. And, um, yeah, I think that's a good fight. You also said he's going to fight for 10 more years. So Oh, okay. So, Why not? Yeah. Uh, co-main event. Now this one was one for the ages. This was, uh, the true obvious uh, highlight of the evening. It was, uh, Whaley Zhang defending her strawweight title against Joanna Yedrachik. And it was, uh, man, it was one of the, it, obviously, uh, the fight of the night here and, uh, probably the best female fight that has ever been. It was five rounds of war, absolute war, great technique, great power, great heart, great determination and great showman by both ladies. And it was so close but it ended up being uh, Whaley Zhang who took the decision uh, victory over Joanna. And, uh, you know, she, uh, she it was a split decision for the record. And it was so close. You know, I don't think that anybody would think anyone was robbed because every round was, I mean, you can, it was so close every round, honestly. Joanna um, <clears throat> with a massive hematoma that engulfed her entire forehead. It was grotesque looking. It looked crazy i mean her head was completely she you couldn't recognize her she didn't look like herself anymore but she fought through that shit and she uh went out there and still was effective lay in the fight it was jang though that was landing the bigger harder more you know big crushing shots uh that you know we, we thought she would have the power coming in we thought yoana would have the better technique the speed to maybe win a, a kickboxing bout over five rounds but uh it's jang that goes to 21-1 and now uh it'll be interesting to see who she gets next you know, I think Zhang uh, taking on uh, for me, uh, I would like to see uh, Tatiana Suarez in there. But, uh, you know, the, the most likely I would imagine would be the winner of uh, Renama Yunus and uh, Jessica Andraj. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. I guess it kind of depends on who wins. Uh, Joanna, uh, man, huh, who knows? But like, he's, I mean, it's such it's so such a good fight that, you know, she doesn't come out losing any kind of. Uh, you know, shine in this. And I think I read this, even with all that damage, she had like no broke, there was like no structural damage to her, any bones. So like, it's really all just, I guess, superficial for lack of a better word. Although it certainly looked worse than that. Uh, let's go first to, uh, we'll go to Mark here. What did you think? This is a man, it was a fucking, uh, a war. I mean, I was, it, I was literally standing in like standing in front of the television, like bobbing, like, you know, rocking back and forth, like really into this fight. Yeah, the only other time I've been standing up and calling people, like, are you seeing this kind of shit? Was Forrest Griffin, Stephen Marner. You know, that's the only other fight that's really stood up like that, where you're like, holy shit, man, this is crazy. But, you know, that's the advantage of being only 115 pounds. You know, those, those, you're just going to swell up sometimes. You know, you don't have to worry about getting cut and, and getting knocked out all the time. Now, Wally Zane can knock people dead if she wants to. Joanna's no joke either, though. She's got, she's got the hand speed of, of it, the fastest guys. But at the end of the day, I think. I had Wally Zhang winning too, but you know, neither one of them lost any stock, man. It was a hell of a fight, probably the best female fight I'd ever seen, but I just don't think either one of them have anything for Valentina. Calling that already. New weight class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Valentina's a whole other animal at a whole other weight class to me. So I mean, yeah, you're probably right, but you know, there's there's fish to fry at one fifteen, and that's the that's the division in question here, in my opinion. Uh, your thoughts, Justin. Yoana's forehead was was one of the biggest stories of the week other than how boring the main event was. Um, but yeah, this is definitely the best female fight that, that I've ever seen. I mean, these girls, um, Mark, you know, said it was like that, the Forrest Griffin and, and Bonner fight. And that's exactly like it was, you know, it was, 
these girls were going at it. It was two to two going into the fifth round. Um, Zhang took the fifth round and, and won the fight. And, um, but, you know, comparing the significant strikes, you know, the same amount of time in there. Um, and the men threw a total of 88 strikes. Joanna threw 100 or landed a total of 88 strikes. Joanna landed 185. So Joanna landed 100 more strikes than both men combined in the main event. That's uh, – it's, it's, it's got to be embarrassing for those guys. Um, but I think I, I don't I don't hate the idea of a, of a, of a rematch running this one back. Um, you know, I think that Rosen and uh, and uh, Andrade, th- that winner is is probably going to get it. Um, but if, if they don't go out there and, and really put on a show, I don't I don't not against against them running this one back. Does Rose, Rose doesn't want the belt though, right? I think I did read something about like she just wasn't ready for that right now. Something along. Yeah, she didn't line. want that to be her. She was offered that fight right away. That could have oh. she could have came right in and fought uh, Zhang, but um, she said she she didn't want to. She wanted to make sure she still wanted to do this first, and um, so I guess you know knocking the cobwebs off with the girl that just dumped you on your head is uh, the best way to do that. And, you know, and what's really fucked is if uh, if Andras wins, it's going to be hard to sell that rematch after he got ran so quickly the first time around, you know? Yeah, there, that's tough. there's another – yeah, that's another scenario. I mean, if Andras wins, I, I like I like the rematch with the Ana better. Oh, no doubt. You have an Andras – you know, I, I think – so I guess I guess really the only way is for Rose to, to go out there and put on a show. Um, other than that, I, I like the rematch. But that's what she was doing the last fight, too. She was putting her piece in her up to death, but until she got caught with, or kept the hold on, right? Yeah, yeah. Rose was, was definitely winning that fight. And, uh, you know, she went for a Kimura and standing Kimura, and um, Andrade picked her up and she didn't let go. So she ended up going head first into the mat. So, where do you think, how far off is uh, Tatiana Suarez from all this conversation? Um,. I think uh, maybe her, her fight, whoever's the odd person out in this whole exchange. Maybe um, that that also might just be throwing her way too deep, way too fast, though. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't have a record pulled up offhand, but I'm trying to think of, of who uh, her last win was. Do you know? Well, somebody has uh, to drown me. Way. Ahead here. Let me just check you real quick here. I think uh, the level of competition has just not really been there. Uh, she's 8 no at okay. this point. Um and it looks like, um, let's see, it ain't no, she is uh, coming off her last win over Nina Ansaroff. Before that, she beat Carla Esparza, Alexa Grasso. Okay, well, yeah, Carla's a pretty good win. So, yeah, I mean, maybe the, the loser of um, of uh, Rose and Andrade, or if, if, if Andrade wins, give her Andrade. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. And, you know, if I can recall that Carla Esparza win was one where she scored like one of the most asinine number of DraftKings points I've ever seen. It was something like astounding. Like, yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> yeah, because Carla, Carla's like the wrestler and she just went out there and ran through her. Uh, we'll see here. The feature by the evening. This is another good one, man. I enjoyed this fight. Uh, Benil Darush. Uh, kind of is on a bit of a streak all of a sudden as he gets a second round knockout over Jakar Close who uh, was very confident going into this fight, saying he was going to knock Darusha out. Darusha had a bad chin, but it was Darusha that dominated the first. He had his back, uh, kind of standing backpack for pretty much the entirety of the round. In the second round, it was a cracker. They, they were banging it out, and uh, it was Darusha that caught close. He uh, staggered him back, and then he finished him off. The awesome knockout. Uh, man, very impressive win for Darusha, who uh, now is really creeping up on uh, a ranking, I would think. Uh, Justin? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, he looked really good. Like you said, he was on the back for the majority of the first round. Uh, coming out early, close landed some some nice shots early in the second round. But um, Darius turned the tables with with a big shot there. And then it was Neil Magny coming back after a, a couple of years off with the USADA. Uh, and he was the underdog coming into this one. And I clocked him as an underdog as well to the to the leech, Li Jing, uh, Jing Ling from China. And, uh, man, tell you what, Magny just dominated his ass everywhere. Striking, standing, uh, grappling, everything was all Magny, who looked great after a couple of years off. I thought maybe the time off would uh, have put him in maybe down a class, but that was not the case. And he came out there and put it on. On him, but I got a very wide unanimous decision win. Tough loss for the China uh, Chinese fighter Li Jing Lang, but Neil Magny uh, now is on, on the rise, and he called out Mike Chiesa in his post bout, and that would be a fun one. Mark, yeah, he's an absolute animal. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Anyway, he's. Uh, they want to say he came out of Texas, didn't he? He's from uh, that region. Yeah, somewhere he, around there. He's always been a world-class athlete from what I was told. And, uh, you know, congrats. You know, after that two-year layoff, he sure looks sharp, and he is. He's a monstrous man. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Leading off the pay-per-view card uh, was another good one, man. It was uh, a war. Alex uh, Cowboy Oliveira, the Brazilian Cowboy, gets a split decision win over a very tough Max Payne Griffin. And it was a fight both guys really needed. Uh, they were, you know, on on losing streaks. And uh, Cowboy Oliveira kind of turned it on. He had a, a pretty good gash over the head of Griffin there towards the end. And he, uh, you know, got got the better of the grappling exchanges to, to pull it out. I thought the decision was right. Again, uh, when he really, really needed and, uh, you know, I don't think they'll cut Griffin because he has, you know, exciting fights. But, uh, you know, now that's a few in a row for him as well. And uh, that uh, was it for the main card, the pay, uh, the pay-per-view before the pay-per-view card. We had uh, the ESPN prelims and it was the return of the Sugar Show. Sugar Sean O'Malley comes in and works Jose Alberto Quinones with a quickness and with style as he gets the knockout in the first round about two minutes in. Uh, another guy that's been out a couple of years with the USADA issues and he has not missed a beat. Uh, if anything, he's gotten a little more physical, a little more uh, cut up, a little more muscular, developed into his body. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is really a uh, very, very impressive showing. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, that was what he needed to come out and do after such a long layoff. You know, he was he's had a lot of hype behind him coming in. He's 11-0 now. Um, you know, he's a big personality. He's, he's got a, a big character um, and, and big, quick knockouts like that. Early knockouts are, are what he needs to keep keep that star rising. Um, I think they're this guy the right way. The two years off may have been, you know, just what he needed. You know, you never know what happens in those two years. Um, he was still a young guy and, you know, he's gotten to, to stay in the gym these last two years and really uh, watch his teammates there in Arizona grow. And uh, it's probably been, been really good for, for his career and the longevity of it. Um, and he's kept himself relevant the whole time, you know, on social media and, and doing the um, his little gaming stuff and all that. So, uh, it was it was a de- definitely an impressive performance for him from him. You know, um, Quinones is not a punk either. Like no, no, he's tough to do. Fight. 
Sean O'Malley moves to 11 and 0 there. It'd be interesting to see if we get a quick turnaround. I'd say he's a guy they would want to show, uh, feature on International Fight Week out there in July. Uh, also on the prelims, it was a world class Olympic wrestler, Dane, the Dane, Mark O. Madsen, getting a unanimous decision win over Austin Hubbard. Uh, two rounds, the first two rounds, Madsen just dominated with the wrestling. Second, uh, the third round, he started to gas, started fade, and Hubbard was coming on, but it was a little bit too little, too late. Two rounds to one for Madsen. Uh, it was the uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu phenom. Uh, Rodolfo Vieira with a arm an arm triangle in about uh, three minutes in the first round. He moves to seven and zero over the Russian fighter Sparbeg Safarov, and uh, that was one that uh, you know he took he got a, a knee if I can recall that busted him open real early, but he persevered through that, got the fight to the ground, and from there it was all over as the biggest favorite on the card gets the win. And then rounding out the prelims on ESPN, it was Gerald Mearshar Valorvet getting a third round submission. Mission, rear naked choke over Deron Wynn, a prodigy of DC. Daniel Cormier falls to six and two, and Mirshar goes to thirty-one and twelve. Uh, very big uh, reach and uh, height discrepancy in this one, uh, laughably almost when you saw him. But you know, Wynn was throwing big hammers, uh, just that he he was whiffing on so many, but he was throwing so hard, and every once in a while he would land. He'd make he'd make you think that well, he may still knock Gerald out. Gerald kept a great, uh, did good, a good job at, uh, you know, using his footwork and using his jab. And eventually in the third round, uh, began to t- uh, turn it on with Deron Wynn, eventually gets the rear naked choke. Congrats to Gerald. Good win for him. And it'll be interesting to see if Deron uh, stays at 185 or if he goes down to 170. He's only like 5'6". And so that is a challenge, to say the least. Uh, Mark, your thoughts uh, here on Gerald Mearshart? Man, congrats to GM3. Way to go. That's a humongous win. Um Man, what an animal. You don't ever want to be standing across the steel cage from that freaking guy. You know, I mean, there's not more menacing human beings. And that guy plays the alto saxophone, just so everybody knows. She's a hell of a player. <laughs> a man of many talents is GM3. Uh, two prelim bouts on ESPN+. Plus. Those uh, We had a, a last-minute drop as Emily Whitmire missed weight against Pagliana Viana. They were going to move forward for that. But then uh, come fight day, uh, Whitmire is still not cleared to fight as she was ill still, I think, probably from that weight cut. So we lost that one. We did get to see uh, kickboxing phenom uh, Giga Chikadze get a split decision win over the debuting Jamal Emers in a good close fight. And then we saw a big knockout from uh, Dana Batgirl uh, with a uh, first round uh, knockout over the Argentine fighter, 40 year old Guido Canetti. Justin, anything on these prelims you want to uh, cover? Chikadze fucked me up. I, I would have, if he would have, uh, I mean, he got the win. He probably should have lost the fight, but he only scored like 45 points on DraftKings. If he would have put out a good showing, if I would have gotten uh Batgirl instead, I probably would have would have won a couple thousand bucks, but um, but uh, yeah, that was a that was probably a lucky win for for G. And that does it for UFC 248, Adesanya versus Romero in the books. A lot of excitement, man. That was uh, for a fight a card that ended so uh, anticlimactically. There was a lot of good action in the lead up too. So uh, they was able to kind of overpower it. And I didn't really leave with a sour taste after all myself. I was okay with it. Uh, moving on to this week's final segment. This is the last round and we are going to do a quick preview of this weekend's UFC Brazil card with a really nice main event here. It's a UFC on ESPN plus number 28. And I'm not sure where we stand in this 10 straight weeks of UFC action, but we're surely deep into it at this point, man. Uh, uh, it is going to be um, uh, ESPN Plus, all, uh, all ESPN Plus card here. 
And of course, the main event sees uh, the Motown phenom, Kevin Lee, uh, come in off a big win over Gregor Gillespie after he changed camps to the TriStar gym. And now he seems like a different fighter, man. And he's taking on the Brazilian at home, uh, Charles Dubronx Oliveira. This is a good fight, man. This is a really good one. In my opinion, I think Lee's improvements are just um, so stellar as of late that he is going to go in here and he's going to get the upset. Oh, I don't even call it an upset, but he's going to get the win in a, in a close fight over Charles, Charles Oliveira. Uh, that's my pick. But at the same time, you know, Oliveira, I think, has won like seven straight fights or something. You know, he's, 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 he's rolling, you know. So no slouch there. I'll go to you, Justin. Your thoughts on this main event. It, to me, like this is kind of a two fight card, like the main event, the co-main event I'm, I'm, I'm invested in beyond that. I mean, there's some good matchups. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we'll get into it, but, uh, we'll just start at this main event. Uh, I want to fate you on that one, man. The Bronx is one of my favorite fighters out there. He's got the, the record for the most submissions in UFC history. Um, and I think that he's just a little bit better than Kevin Lee everywhere. Um, the, the factor in this, I think is going to, just going to be the strength, um, and the, the grind part of it you know i don't know um how well Oliver is going to be able to deal with with the pressure of kevin lee um but i feel like that i feel like he'll do just fine you know if kevin takes him down i feel like the bronx will submit him off his back and um standing up i think that that he has the advantage there too um but i think it's going to be a spectacular fight either way and mark uh you know, you know we're one and one here i've got i'm going with uh I'm going with Kevin Lee. It looks like uh, Justin is going with Oliveira. Break this tie. That's a simple one for me. You know, the switch to TriStar is everything. Um, for Ross the Hobby, probably the best coach in MMA, in my opinion. He's going to have that game plan ready. And, I mean, Kevin Lee's already that level of phenomenal athlete. I think with the game planning and the, the timing put in with Ross, he gets it done. All right. Co-main event, a battle of Brazilians. And what could be uh, seen, in my opinion, is a little bit of a passing of the torch, potentially, as two Brazilian uh, grappling phenoms go to war at welterweight, it is going to be Damian Maia uh, coming into Brazil to face fellow countryman Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns, uh, 17 and three. Both these guys, very highly decorated black belts. Uh, but in my opinion, I feel like the youth and the explosiveness, the athleticism, the knockout power of Gilbert Burns is what separates him at this point in his career from Damian Maia. I think the grappling cancels out. And I think that uh, the athleticism and the striking power of, De- of uh, I'm sorry, of, of, of Gilbert Burns will be the difference here. That said, uh, you know, he, he, I, I, you know, he, he hasn't fought. Uh, let's see, he's been about five months. He's got a win over uh, Gunnar Nelson, it looks like. You know, uh, he hasn't fought anybody on the level of grappling, obviously, um, as uh, Damian Maia in the UFC. But, you know, he's seen just – World-level competition, obviously, on the grappling mats. Uh, let's see. I'll go to you, Mark, first. I'll let you, uh, let you talk about this one. Uh, what do you think? Gilbert Burns, the, the young buck, or Damian Maia, the, the legend? There seems to be a little bit of hot behind Gilbert Burns, and I'd say for good reason. He seems to be the younger version of a Damian Maia with a little bit more world-class experience in both camps, you know? He may have seen more more grappling than even Damian Maia in his early age. Who knows? But, you know, as far as being in the UFC – Nothing speaks more than experience, and Damian Maia's got all the experience in the world. And but this is a young line versus old line, and I don't know. I feel like Gilbert Burns probably kicks his ass. Yeah, he very well may. Uh, Justin, you got a lean here? Um, not really. Probably, I probably lean towards Burns. Um, if if Burns wants to stay stay on the feet and try to strike, I think that uh, he probably has the advantage there on the ground, man. I mean. 
I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to fade Damian on the ground against anybody just because of his uh, credentials. You know, Gilbert says he thinks he can submit him if they do go to the ground. So uh, we'll see. Maybe it'll just be a a, a battle of uh, jujitsu. Jujitsu. Feature bout is the uh, the lightweight debut of former featherweight uh, Hinato Moicano, 13-3-1. Uh, the Brazilian will be taking on the Bosnian, Demir Hadzovic. Uh, pretty good matchup, I think, for Moicano to make his debut at home at 155. Uh, and he is a pretty sizable favorite in doing so, I believe, over Hadzovic. Uh, and then we see the return of uh, Johnny Walker, a uh, man who was – Starching fools and you know just doing it. Uh, then he ran into Corey Anderson and a little bit of the hype has fallen off as he uh, goes home to Brazil to face Nikita Krylov. My opinion, Walker here is uh, going to get back on track. I think that uh, Krylov just doesn't have uh, any super super good wins, um, you know, as of late. And I think Walker is going to get back on track here with a guy that'll bang with him. And then, of course, rounding out the main card is uh, another Brazilian fighter, uh, another tough one, Francisco Trinaldo, lightweight, taking on the Canadian John McDessie. And that is a fight that could be pretty fun. Justin, any of these uh, on the main card uh, look pretty good to you? I probably, if we're if I were taking a quiz, I probably would have guessed that Trinaldo and McDessie were not even uh, employed by the UFC anymore. So that's probably <laughs> you don't see McDessie very often. No, or Trinaldo. I mean, Trinaldo's been around for a long time. He's only got 31 fights, looks like. But um, the biggest one for me is Johnny Walker and Krilov. You know, Krilov's dangerous, uh, but he's not not really had that great of a run. I think he's one and two since he got back in the UFC. Uh, and Johnny Walker has to get a win. And with all the hype that was behind him and um, the, the rise that he was having, uh, and then to get stopped the way he did, uh, you know, if he can get a couple of, you know, big finishes um, – it, it, it'll be easy to forget about the knockout uh, last fight, um, but he's going to have to have to come out there and really put on a show against Krilov. All right, moving on to the preliminary card. We'll see, run through this really quick. A lot of Brazilian fighters here. Uh, one bout that I'm a little surprised it's on the prelims because it will potentially have title implications, I guess, for whatever that's fucking worth at flyweight. Uh, GCR Formiga will take on Brandon Marino at flyweight, and that's about that, you know, if Formiga wins, then he puts him in the uh, title fight talk, I would imagine. He's the only loss on Davis and Figueredo's record, so he's got a bit of an argument there, but honestly, think he has his hands full here with Brandon Marino, who's just super scramble guy. He seems to come out real nice in those, but, you know, for me, he's got world-class submissions at the same time. Uh, Marino, I think, is the better athlete, uh, probably the better striker. It's a close fight, actually, uh, but if Marino wins, it's a real hard sell, you know, to, <laughs> for any kind of main event with, you know, him and Figueredo or something like that, in my opinion. Amanda Hibas, 8-1, and one, uh, 115 pounds, takes on Aranda Marcos at uh, straw weight, and then We've got uh, uh, Elias Zaleski Dos Santos coming in to face Alexi Conchico. That's a pretty fun fight, I got to say. Uh, it's Hani Yaya taking on Enrique Barzola as well uh, at a bantamweight. Um, and then it's Myra Bueno Silva at a flyweight taking on uh, Maria Moroz. Uh, in 125, we've got Bruno Silva taking on the UFC debuting David Dvorak. He's got a lot of hype behind him. Uh, he's like the top guy out of the Czech Republic. And opening up the card, it's more late. He's got a lot of female fights here. Veronica Macedo takes on Bia Malecki, who's only 1-0. 
Uh, <laughs> she's one and oh and she fought on the ultimate fighter so i guess she did have like an exhibition type bout on there so that one's a really kind of an oddly placed one i think uh we'll just uh, wrap this thing up justin anything on the prelims uh look like you want to keep an eye on is it show her one and oh on on tapology yeah, I know she's got world-class kickboxing. You know, she's got a lot of kickboxing uh, bouts going into the Ultimate Fighter house. She's a good-looking girl, you know, 5'9", Swiss. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, she, yeah, she's from Sweden, actually. She's a Swede. And she is uh, very, uh, you know, uh, very well-versed in uh, kickboxing. I'm a fan already. And so, it, you know, it's a girl that the UFC saw some marketability in, I think, to say the least. She uh, did have three amateur uh, MMA fights, it looks like. But uh, she lost her uh, fight in the house, which is an exhibition fight to Leah Letson. And then her only uh, pro MMA fight was her pro debut in the UFC uh, with a win over Duda Santana, who I'm not super familiar with. Google has her at 3-0, you know, so there may have been a couple that that uh, Tapology just didn't get a hold of. Oh, baby. Um, yes, I'm not sure. But uh, there's a few good matchups on there. Um the Yaya and Brazola is going to be good. Um, Santos and, and Kunchenko is going to be good. I like uh, Amanda Hebos and, and Ronda Marcos, too. I think it's a be a good test for Hebos. Um, and, and if she passes it, I think she should get something pretty, you know, pretty substantial in the strawweight division. Um, as far as the flyweights, I think they've already uh, – I don't know if they've announced the date or anything yet, but I think they've already determined that um, they're going to run back uh, the Benavidez – um, fight, um, you know, where he got knocked out a couple weeks ago. Uh, so whoever wins in this fight will probably have to have to fight one more before they can get into talks for that. Um, but I think it's going to be an all action fight in this one. And before we go, of course, uh, this just in, uh, this is actually happening while we're, while we're taping this thing. And it's, uh, some crazy times out there, guys. It is, uh, uh, just got word, uh, that president Trump has suspended all travel to Europe, uh, with the exception of London, uh, that, uh, for us uh, citizens, uh, for the next 30 days, uh, with the coronavirus scare here, uh, a lot of major events being, uh, shut down, postponed or done in front of empty arenas, uh, with, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, worry of uh, transmitting this coronavirus um, is very interesting to see how that will affect uh, you know obviously the MMA world UFC uh, having a show in London next week so uh, it'll be interesting to see if that will restrict their ability to have that show at all or if that show gets canceled pushed back you know there's talk about the pro wrestling world with WrestleMania doing Tampa uh, maybe that gets pushed back the NBA has literally while we we're recording just announced that they are suspending the season at this point after uh, center for the Jazz Rudy Gobert test positive with the coronavirus uh, very very uh, interesting times here uh, Justin I'll go to you first for uh, quick thoughts and you know this is something that we're going to get into a lot deeper next week as we have time to process things bits of information just kind of come in uh, bits at a time so uh, literally this has happened while we're recording so to gather our thoughts a little bit just in a quick quick take um yeah it's kind of wild man I, I think the whole thing's kind of getting played out too much you know i think um you know from everything i've heard you know it seems like it's a, like a less severe version of the flu and that this the mortality rate's pretty low um, so I didn't really think it was much to worry about, but I did hear today that Italy quarantined like 16 million people this week or something. So I don't know, maybe it's getting out of control, man. I guess we, uh, 
Guess we should see. I know that I saw a picture of Seymour uh, Kroger earlier, and there was no toilet paper, so I'm out at home. I might be fucked. Damn. Yeah, that's uh, certainly a problem. Uh, Mark, uh, you know, I know you'll have lots of thoughts on this. Uh, a brief take on it, and we'll bring you back in next week because I know you've actually got a lot, a lot of insight on this. Well, let me just say this. If we wait till next week, it could be too fucking late, gentlemen. This virus, yep. I'm not one of those, man, but we, we'll we talk about it. We'll go into all the possibilities of what this possibly could be and what it is not. Who knows? We may have all the breaking news by next week, but I got some theories, so I'll hold off. <laughs> Very good, man. All right. Well, yeah, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Valor Hour, guys. Thanks once again to our guests this evening. Of course, Mark Laws, Justin Watson, Jeff Hobbs. Thanks for your time this evening, and uh, we will join you again next week. For another edition of the Valor Hour, for uh, everyone, I'm Tim Loy signing off. Uh, We'll see you next week. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. UFC 248, co-main event, awesome. Awesome fight to watch. You know, I know a lot of the narrative is greatest women's fight uh you know in mma in mma history i just my narrative on the fight is we just had a great mma fight whether we're talking about men's or women's oh yeah it's an early early favorite for fight of the year and if we have a fight that kind of supersedes this one then we're in store for one hell of a year i mean uh, this is probably the best women's fight in MMA history, I think it, it just told such an amazing story. It was a star-making performance. Anyone who watched this fight, I think, looks at Wally Zhang as a star. Yuani on Jacek already had that star power, but it was a historical fight. It was an incredibly close fight. Um, it, it was the type of fight where, honest to God, I didn't have a scorecard. I was just watching the fight, and I wasn't thinking who was winning because it was so back and forth and. It was unbelievable. I mean, we knew uh, Wally Zhang had impeccable power. Ioana Janjic knows it. And um, she just stepped into the fire and just took shot after shot after shot, obviously to the detriment to her forehead. She had that Mark Hominick hematoma-looking deal. Uh, But overall, it was just an absolutely unbelievable fight. Um, Like, when, when I think of the great fights of all time, there was one unbelievable uh leslie smith fight that she had i think it was i can't remember who it was against but i remember that was quite great but without question when we're talking about the best women's fight uh, of all time yoani on jacek versus wally zeng is it for me and in terms of fight of the year again i would be shocked um if this is not the fight of the year and we are just three months into 2020 jason The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.